The scripture readings today are taken from the books of Isaiah and Luke. Isaiah, chapter 57, verses 14 through 19. It shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstruction from my people's way. For thus the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with those who are contrite and humble in spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not continually accuse, nor will I be angry. For then the spirits would grow faint before me, even the souls that I have made. Because of their wicked covetousness, I was angry. I struck them, I hid and was angry. But they kept turning back to their own ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will lead them and repay them with comfort, creating for their mourners the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. This reading is from the Gospel according to Luke, dedication to Theophilus. Since many have undertaken to set down an orderly account of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed on to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, I too decided, after investigating everything carefully from the first, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the truth concerning the things about which you have been instructed. This reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 and 26 through 56, the birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said of the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Mary visits Elizabeth. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb 
leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Mary's Song of Praise. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her for about three months and then returned to her home. This is the story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Let us be in a spirit of prayer. O Holy One, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. The Forston and McFall family have just read from Isaiah and from Luke. The reading from Luke is late in the book, and he has moved to words about rebuilding. Certainly the work to remove barriers from my people's road is a long haul in terms of reconstructing the entrenched roads of injustice that we have created in our society. We must continue to build up, build up, we must continue to tend the hearts that are crushed. Joy comes in our work to break down barriers, and you'll hear more about this in our documentary film trailer this week. The film is called Following the Ninth. You'll hear a little bit about it in terms of the Berlin Wall. Strength comes in trust that God is working alongside us inviting us to keep checking in about our own penchant to steer the road off course again and again. You may be in the mood to rejoice about progress related to the Black Lives Matter movement or related to the pandemic now that we've heard that there's a vaccine in process. Or you may feel discouraged about the post-Thanksgiving spike that we're all feeling. But like the community to whom Isaiah wrote, we are still in need of words of comfort, 
comfort ye my people, Isaiah says. And like those in exile, we need to look ahead and trust that there will be reasons to praise. God says, for those who mourn, I will create a reason for praise. I will heal them. We turn then to Luke's original story this week. Luke is a journalist, and this longest book of the four Gospels details the events of Jesus' birth as an important way of understanding who Jesus is. It is also a way to help non-Jews get the facts, not just the rumors, so they can see Jesus' saving presence for them as well as us. To these fledgling new Christians, Mary's Magnificat would have read like a rallying protest speech calling for justice and putting powerful words in the mouth of a self-proclaimed servant. Some in those early communities would have heard their own occupation reflected in that word. Joy, deep human thriving, can happen in the midst of oppression when people are inspired to raise their voice, to raise up to their full height and proclaim their worth. This week's documentary film is called Following the Ninth. And one of the reasons why this documentary film so powerfully connects to this theme of joy is just that, that peace that is deep within us. The film is about Beethoven's Ninth Symphony with its section commonly known as the Ode to Joy. This piece of music is deeply intertwined with movements for justice and freedom such as Tiananmen Square, East Berlin and Chile, and also moments of human tragedy such as Japan's tsunami. You will never sing this tune the same way again after watching this film. Here's a description from the film's website. Following the Ninth is a documentary film about the global impact of Beethoven's final symphony. The film, released in the mid-2013, has screened in over 250 cities in the United States and around the globe, with more to come. Written in 1824 near the end of Beethoven's life, the Ninth Symphony was composed by a man with little to be thankful for, sick, alienated from almost everyone, and completely deaf. Beethoven had never managed to find love, nor create the family he'd always wanted. And yet, despite this, he managed to create an anthem of joy that embraces the transcendence of beauty over suffering celebrated to this day for its ability to heal, repair, and bring people together across great divides, the Ninth has become an anthem of liberation and hope that has inspired many around the world. At Tiananmen Square in 1989, students played the Ninth over loudspeakers as the army came in to crush their struggle for freedom. In Chile, women living under the Pinochet dictatorship sang the Ninth at torture prisons, where men inside took hope when they heard their voices. 
as the Berlin Wall came down in December 1989, it collapsed to the sound of Leonard Bernstein conducting Beethoven's Ninth as an ode to freedom. In Japan, each December, the Ninth is performed hundreds of times, with 10,000 people in the chorus. Following the Ninth gives us insight into the heightened importance of this massive communal Ninth, known as Daiku, in the aftermath of the earthquake and tsunami of 2011. Let's watch this trailer and see a little of what it's about. The whole thing is a kind of creation story or an evolution story. I mean, the first, the first, first thing is not a thing. It's a nothing. What on earth is that? And then when it when it starts to move, the spirit of God hovering over the waters, what you get is Then you have this cataclysmic event. It's pure violence. That is primordial violence. That is the Big Bang. This peace enters your bloodstream and then changes who you are. The entire blueprint of everything, all the way from subatomic particles to galactic clusters, it's all here. We demanded the government to hold a direct dialogue with us students to uh, push the uh, political reform. The government refused. I set up the first broadcast station. I put the cassette of Beethoven live to cover the voice of the government system. There was a real transformation. It gave us a sense of hope, uh, solidarity. All people become brothers. We just felt that oh, we were free at last. We regain our dignity as a human being. For me, that, uh, that was a movement for hope. And the tanks and the machine guns killed that hope. If given a chance to meet one person in history, for me it would be Beethoven. And the question I would ask him, if I only had one question, would be the Ninth Circle. The Ninth seems to express most completely what human beings are struggling for. It's a battle cry for humanity. It is the hymn of possibility.
1973 began a very dark time. Pinochet took the power and he made one of the worst military coups. This dream from, from equality was gone. The music was banished, and happiness was banished. I was in a room with the window, with the uh, iron grid. And one day, I heard the music, only the music. It was like a shield against the fear, against the pain, against the darkness. When you are in the deepest, darkest, Hole? The music was hope. Technically, I don't even know, I'm not even sure I'm a musician, I'm a guitar player. But there's no reason why that should stop me from, uh, from writing the lyrics of Ode to Joy from Beethoven's Night Symphony. You don't have to wait till the London Symphony Orchestra gives you permission or asks you. The fact that I've written the two verses is all the validation I need. There they are. And if I can make those two verses singable by the kids, sit, then great, I'll do that as well. OK, Man of Destiny, here we go. Music is something that is mood-enhancing and mind-bending. You can change or enhance that melancholy feeling or that joyous feeling you have. And Beethoven obviously felt that deeply. You can imagine if he, you know, heard his favourite song while he was in the supermarket, stop, it would stop him dead and mess up his day, you know.
In that clip, you saw Billy Bragg, a British punk rocker who sees himself as a common man, a self-trained musician. And he wrote words to the tune Ode to Joy, which you'll hear later. They are in some ways a magnificat for our day. What would your song of joy, your magnificat, sound like? What would you give thanks for? How does your soul magnify the Lord even in the midst of sadness and suffering? The Magnificat, Mary's Song of Joy, is the singular most amazing articulation of joy in the midst of suffering ever spoken. Mary's soul rejoices in the Lord, even when she finds herself in a dangerous human condition, unmarried and pregnant. Instead of lamenting her condition, bereft of hope, she hears the angel. She listens to the message that she is God's chosen God-bearer to the hurting world. And her soul rejoices. Each of us is such a vessel, filled to the brim with God's love, able to bear that joy into the world. Rather than lamenting our COVID-laden condition, we can recognize that this time is pregnant with possibilities and we can use this time of waiting to prepare for the time to come. We can imagine what God has in store for us and how we can share God's love with those most in need throughout Concord and beyond, rejoicing. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.